Welcome to the show. You're listening to Hope Radio Podcast. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host, and joining me is just Jen, keeping it simple. Whoa. Yes. You just jumped right in and stole my introduction thunder. Oh, did you have thunder? Yeah. Let me hear it. <laughs> Go. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> no. You're just Jen. I just can't. You just got to do it the way you got to do it. <laughs> right? Right. There's no question. I've lived with you long enough to know I can't force anything. I'm just along for the ride when it comes to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I got a great show for you today. I've got a uh, you can't have a pity party show today. I've got a you're gonna be inspired today kind of show. Okay, I I've like got that. a hold on to your hat because you're about to get blown away oh, kind of a show. Like blow today. your hair back. Yeah, like that, like that '70s rock. You know where the guy's sitting in the chair and you can't really see the speakers, or maybe you can, but his hair's like all. Going okay. back like okay. he's going 80 miles an hour. Okay, I'm visualizing. That kind, that kind of a show. All right, I like those Are shows. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. And it's a show because it's, here's the awesome part of it. We're going to be talking to a young man, 22 years old, Nick Huey. And I got to tell you, this young man, he's awesome. He's inspiring. He inspired me. I think he's going to inspire our listeners. He's certainly somebody that has been through the fire and come out on the other side a lot stronger. Wow, an overcomer. An overcomer. I think an overachiever. I oh, think this guy's yeah. going to write a book at some point. Yeah, it could be. It could happen. Are you ready? I am super ready. Should we get him on the line? Let's do it. Should we talk to him? Let's do it. Right now? Okay. All right, so I'm super excited, Jen, that we have Nicholas Huey, otherwise known as Nick, joining us on the podcast today, and this young man is awesome. Let me just say that right from the get-go, and uh, happy to have him on the show. 22 years old, studying in Alabama, about to finish his uh, degree up. Welcome to the show, Nick. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome, and uh, so, you know, we were exchanging some uh, text back and forth and you were introduced to us by our uh, good friend Sean Eiferman and he spoke very highly of you and uh, from the sounds of it you you've had your fair share of adversity in your life so why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and um, who you are now and then we'll get into um, some of the ways in which I think that you are an example of overcoming for sure well once again thank you Sean uh, I appreciate you guys and the opportunity uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a, a crazy life so far. As you mentioned, I'm 22. Uh, I went into the foster system at 14. For the first two years of that experience and that adventure, it wasn't wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. It was a lot of um, a lot of dark paths taken. And um, I would say that I, I shook the hands of the devil and I said, "Hey, this ain't for me." And uh, when I was 16, uh, similar to what you guys are doing, yeah, I, I loved to read, and I was always one to you know really aspire for something more. And so I, my parents didn't have the best, you know, hand dealt to them. And so that kind of articulated into my experience growing up. Uh, but with that being said, when I was 16 years old, I decided I didn't want to be a victim anymore. And so, and the way we're really shifted that mindset is, you know, studying people like Tony Robbins, studying people like Will Smith. I was always a big movie guy, always a big music guy. Um, just hearing the stories of a lot of these entrepreneurs, these rappers, these influencers, these actors, people that we've aspired to be for so long and learning people like Oprah Winfrey, and Ellen DeGeneres and all these amazing people had such crazy stories growing up, you know, such adversity they went through, but it was that adversity through their life that challenged them to do something more with their life. And so once I learned that it was, it was possible to be done and that the things I was going through today was not permanent, it really allowed me to start dedicating my life to change. And so when I was 16, I said I was going to do something about it. And for about a year and a half, two years, I told myself every day, every night, um, that there is not one thing in this world that can stop me not myself, not anybody else, one day I will be successful. And so um, a lot of that was changed. And it was really when everyone else was watching memes and playing on social media at lunchtime, I was watching TED Talks. And so I love really that. Constant growth. It's, 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 been, it's been a journey, man. But for the last six years, it's, uh, 
it's been something. But that was the origin story. I really started it all. And so let's let's break that apart a little bit. So coming up from your background, you mentioned that your parents weren't handed the best upbringing themselves, which played into how you were raised and ultimately your circumstance. So maybe shed a little bit of light on that. What you know, the the challenges growing up. Are you an only child, by the way? You could say yes, uh, but I have about ten brothers and sisters. But the skinny of it, I was raised with my father. Uh, so my mother, my mother was 19 when she had me, uh, and actually I did not speak to her. I spoke to her four times throughout my life. And actually, this week was the week I decided to finally face that demon and reach out, and because I haven't seen her or spoken to her since I was 11. So uh, this week I actually met with Sean Eichmann as well as a couple other mentors of mine and discussed it, broke it down, um, looked at the worst case and best case scenario, and was okay with both of those options and I reached out and actually uh, we spoke yesterday and it was the first time in a long time and it went really well but yeah no definitely um mom was not capable at that moment to raising a child she already had one kid and there's just a lot of stuff going on in her life she struggled with uh, addiction for a long time uh, up until recently in the last three years she's been sober which is amazing um hats off to her and she's doing great things with her life now uh but my father you know Father grew up the only redheaded, uh, the only redheaded, well, redheaded stepchild. So you probably heard the saying. Um, that's yes. where he was in Western Pennsylvania and uh, a Polak and Italian community. So he definitely went through some adversity. Um, the stepfather was not a good man, and then his father was was never there. And so uh, similar story. It's, it's very interesting to see the trend, you know. But uh, it was I was the one to break break the Da Vinci Code per se. So but yeah, when I left at fourteen, it was for good reason. We didn't talk for four years. Me and my father. Nowadays, we have more of a, a mutual agreement, friendship. It's like, you know, when I call, it's more of a talking to a long-lost friend. But there is times where I'm just like, hey, I need my dad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so um, it's definitely been growth, uh, but it's something that we both had to come to terms with in our, in our own path, and uh, we're doing good today. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that you spoke with your mom, too. I do, I do think that, you know, life hands us challenges and adversities, but the, the older you get, the more wisdom you accumulate, the more, I think, sometimes the forgiveness you have because you understand sometimes that it wasn't about you. It was about circumstance or it was about adversity and choices. And, you know, I had a similar um, thing happen to me, you know, when my dad found out my mom was pregnant. I'm an only child, but she, she was excited to have me, but he was not excited to be a father. He was come to find out later, just overwhelmed by it because he didn't have a good example of what a father was. And so he didn't know if he was equipped to be able to uh, be a good father. And so he wasn't really in my life for the first 10 years of my life. And um, I felt like that was because I was abandoned, like he didn't want me kind of thing. And that was not really the truth. But it wasn't until I was uh, well into my adult years, a father myself, that we really had a talk together. And and we reestablished a connection when I was 10 and, and through about 18. So it wasn't like it was difficult or that we had no communication. But it, I, I really, it took me a long time to have that heart to heart. Like, where were you? Why weren't you there? Mm-hmm. kind of a situation. And I think, you know, once he gave me some of his answers, like it totally flipped my paradigm and I and I understood him from a completely different perspective. And and I hope that happens for you with your mom. And certainly it sounds like it's happening for you and in terms of how you're um, handling your father and your relationship with your father. So congratulations on uh, on making some inroads there. Well, thank you. Yeah, definitely, Sean. I, I definitely agree. It, it comes from a perspective of empathy in a lot of ways. I realized a little while ago is that, you know, everyone at the end of the day, we're all human. You know, a lot of us are misunderstood and a lot of us don't even understand ourselves. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, I looked at it from a perspective is that they did the best they could. And when I spoke to my mother uh, finally, and that's, you know, I asked three questions that came from a a very understanding mindset. You know, I didn't want to rehash any bad memories. I just really, I didn't even want, I didn't really have any questions. I mean, I had questions, but I wasn't looking for answers. I just was really looking for that closure. And um, she opened up the door to ask a couple questions. And the two questions I asked, you know, why'd you keep me? And I don't know, it's a deep question, but I mean, it's an honest question. And then um, the other one is, you know, how are you doing now? And I think those are both two very important questions because those are things I've been searching for my entire life because I look at it from a perspective is that, you know, and the reason why I reached out to my father after four years is someone sat down with me once. That was when I was back in the group home and I was had a big fight with my pops and uh, someone sat me down and was like, hey man, like, I know what you're going through. Maybe not exactly, but he's like, you know, me and my pops, we didn't get along. I hated the man. 
And once I became old enough to get out of the house, I left and never talked to him. And then one day I got that phone call that he was gone. And he's like, every day I regret not trying. And so he's like, at least give it a shot. And so, yeah, it kind of came from that perspective. It's like, hey, man, like you're human. Like, mom, you're human. I understand. And so once we had that conversation, uh, I learned that, like, in her mind, the only chance she saw me being not repeating her mistakes was by giving me to someone else. Yeah. Uh, which is a crazy thing to face. But, like, the fact that, like, she was able to be and make that decision must have been you know, hard. But the fact that she did it, I'm very grateful because I'm, I wouldn't be the man I am today through my adversity or through my, uh, my success as well. So I'm very grateful. Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And so let's break that, uh, that, that uh, opening segment up a little bit more. So you went into the foster care system when you were 14 and wasn't a great road for you initially. And it sounds like somewhere around the time you were 16, you started to really kind of formulate this conscious thought, this desire that my life is going to be different. I'm going to take control of it. I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to, since I didn't have any good examples myself, let's say, I'm going to find examples of people overcoming in everyday life to achieve success and I'm going to try to emulate them. Yeah, I think um, I think it comes down to is, you know, every superhero, every villain has an origin story. It's just a matter of what they decide to do with that, that point <laughs> in their life whenever they, they were challenged with that adversity. You know, when you were talking about people that have uh, set a good example, the first person that came to mind was, was Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, seven bucks in his pocket and look what that, I mean, that guy is a fierce workaholic man he but you know he is a shining example Mm -hmm. of what you can do when you when you have determination and perseverance so let's let's take one thing that you said that I kind of keyed in on you started uh, to I'll call it a daily affirmation but you started when you were 16 and you would say something to yourself every day and that was what yeah it was pretty much that uh, I don't have a choice I'm like, no matter what, I will be successful. No one and nothing can stop me, not even myself. Because I think that was at that point in my life, the biggest barrier was me. Um, I hate, I hated life. I hated everyone. And I don't know, I just really just told myself every day, like, stop being a victim. It's time to, you know, create action or else nothing's going to change. I think that that's echoed with what um, I've come to know in the last few years. And that is that words have power. Mm-hmm. You know, like words, I, I think, are some of the most powerful things in the universe, how you wield them, how you use them, how you use words with others, and how you use words with yourself, what you speak to yourself when you're alone with yourself. And so if you're positive about your future and about your outcome, I really believe you move more toward that direction. I believe that 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 comes to you. And if you're also, if you're negative, lamenting, and you know, pity parties and feeling sorry for yourself. I feel like you're going to, you know, it's the law of attraction. I feel like you're going to attract more of that yourself. So, you know, you talked about looking at people that were examples that you wanted to follow. You talked about TED Talks. And so, you know, did you learn that power, those affirmations from that? Or was it just this natural, I'm just tired of this and I'm just going to move in a positive direction. And and ultimately that took over. Yeah. So great question. And so it's actually uh, two so I mentioned I went to almost seven high schools before my senior year. And so when I turned 16, I had the opportunity in Pennsylvania to go to a group home. Uh, they have independent living programs. You have to be 16 to be able to have that opportunity. Uh, so that's when I had the first opportunity to finish up my senior year. Uh, and the first time I actually went to a full school for a full year. And anyway, so through the staff that were working at the group home, uh, one of them I still talk to today, both from Nigeria. One uh, one was first generation American. The other one was second. One was uh, his buddy, name of mine was Khalifa. Uh, we called him uh, KK King Kong because he was the big guy. He played uh, D2 football uh, back in the day, had the chance to go to the league, um, but ended up getting hurt. Anyways, but he was a super caring, but like super like tie up your bootstraps and like get it done. And then uh, another guy, Mondu Ike, was getting his PhD at the time while working 40 to 50 hours a week at the group home. And when he wasn't working at the group home on the weekend, uh, he was taking us out and literally just treating us like human beings instead of just people in the system. And so it was really just that, that mindset of, you know, when I first went there in the group home, the first day I called my pops and uh, we got in a huge fight. I just broke down, man. I was super emotional. I was like, life sucks. Like, this is horrible. I thought this would be a better opportunity for me. Like, what the hell? And then um, my dude pulled me aside. He's like, hey, man, what's up? We talked to a bit. And I never met this guy before. And um, he's like, man, like, this is America, the land of opportunity. You know, everyone has a choice, you know, and you have a choice. You know, you want to make something of yourself. You want to sit here and you want to, you know, sit here and loathe and pity. But regardless, it's a choice, an active choice that you have to make every single day to be better. And, um, you know, every time I would go to, you know, go to mess up or do something stupid, uh, I could always rely on him to be like, hey, man, you have a choice. 
uh, just know those consequences. And so it was really those two individuals that pushed me uh, to be different. And so my senior year is my first time I was actually able to participate in a sports team, stuff like that. Uh, so my senior year, I, I went to play football, ran track. I also did a uh, debate and I also did uh, the school musical. So I really stayed really busy. Uh, I hustled and I grinded, but I knew that I think what you talked about, you know, people like the rock, you talked about, you know, we could talk about people like Sylvester Stallone. It's just amazing people. But one thing I mentioned is that they all had something in their life. that was a pivot point where they chose, they had an active choice to either be a victim or do something about it. And I think once you come from nothing, you know, the only way's up. And so that's really what the mindset I had at that point in my life. I think that's a, that's an incredible statement. I, I agree with you. And you know, I, I keep having this question in my head because, you know, our, uh, we've got a son of ours that has said before to us that he thinks his upbringing has been more challenging for him to find his path. Mm-hmm. And his logic is that he's had a really good upbringing. He hasn't wanted for anything. He hasn't ever been challenged. He hasn't ever lost everything and so like he he struggles to try to find his path right now and he he's always said that I think it would have been easier if I had had a much more challenging upbringing and I and we the examples that you're giving of all of these people they all faced kind of the same thing it was like are you going to rise or are you just going to wither away are you going to do something about your circumstance or are you just going to always complain about it are you going to be the victim or are you going to be no proactive. So I'm interested to understand right now at, at 22, do you now look back on your journey to this point and consider it maybe a blessing in disguise? Or is it still one of those kind of too proximate to you right now that it, it, it just feels like, you know, I was laid some cards that were not great and I don't like it, but yet I've risen above. Like, do you, do you see it as a positive or a negative, you know, your experience over the last six, eight, 10 years? Yeah, for sure. Uh, once again, great question. And um, I think this might help your, your son out if he listens to this, because uh, I think um, that's something that a lot of kids struggle with. Uh, but yeah, to, to answer your question, I, it's been a crazy road. Even um, even when I graduated, so I graduated from high school, um, I went to the top of my class, the top 15. I uh, had a, a full ride to Penn State. Didn't work out. Penn State got the best of me, and I had to take some time off and came down to Alabama. I, was in, I moved down to Birmingham. I literally threw darts to the map. I needed to be somewhere different. Really, I applied to, uh, I applied to like 15 schools. I got accepted to a school down in Birmingham. And, um, yeah, so I never, I say that it's a funny joke, but it's a running joke. Anyway, so I said uh, the only person I knew from Alabama was Forrest Gump, uh, but he was a good advocate. So, uh, but it's, it's true. And so at that point, um, I moved down to Birmingham. Um, some things happened out of my control and I was homeless for a bit, living on a buddy's couch that I just met for about two months, three months. So I got a job, get back on my feet. But yeah, so I, I think that, um, a lot of the, the questions that come through our minds, specifically around foster youth, the people that so struggle with adversity at a young age, is why me? Yeah. You know, why at 16 years old, why at 14 year old um, did I have to go into foster care? You know, why at birth did my mom give up? Mm-hmm. You know, why at uh, at 19 am I homeless? You know, why at 17, once I did all this and hustled and worked my ass off to go to college, did I am I leaving college? And so I think I had a lot of those questions growing up. Uh, but now at 22, I look back and I look at it as a blessing. I, you know, I've I've literally been so broke that I was uh, I would split two bags, oh, one bag of ramen noodles uh, over a day and eat one for lunch and one for dinner and put some like you know shredded cheese and make mac and cheese with it. Uh, and then I've also been in situations where I was drinking martinis in Orange County, California, surrounded by millionaires. And so I think that my journey alone speaks volumes, but I think that the experiences I've shared have allowed me to be the man I am today. So I regret absolutely nothing because uh, I think I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, you mentioned that your son struggles with, you know, he seems like he felt like he feels like he had a, he had a good life upbringing, which is amazing. Um, you know, good for you guys being such great parents. But I think that's something that a lot of kids struggle with is that they're kind of sheltered and it's, it's nothing, it's nothing bad, but it's, they struggle with, you know, what's next because the real world is definitely a lot different than living in your parents' house. But yeah, I think that um, I wouldn't be the man I am today without that adversity, if that makes sense. No, I, I think it makes perfect sense. I think that you, when you when you go through what you've been through, I think that there's there's it's almost like this idea of being forged mm-hmm. in fire, right? Yeah. I mean, think like Jen, yeah. Jen and I, we, we both had a very transient middle school upbringing. You know, we right. traveled around a lot, like... We, you know, it was just ironic that when we when we got together and started dating that we talked about each other's stories. And like, for example, for the first five grades of my life, so from first grade through fifth or sixth grade, I didn't complete 
one year of school at a specific school. Now, I didn't go to seven different high schools. I mean, when you said that, my jaw right. dropped like it. That was crazy. Seven different high schools. But we did move around a lot. So, I mean, you're sitting here, you're always the new kid. People are judging you. You know, it's you, you had a great friend in the town you just left. And now, now you got to try to make new friends. And like it just, I think that experience for us made us more reliant on ourselves to some degree. I think it creates like a a fighter spirit, like kind of like a warrior. Like I feel like you're always fighting, but it like creates something really strong within you. Yeah. That forged in fire kind of uh, upbringing. It sounds like Nick, that happened for you. Like you look back on that and I, and I do think for a lot of people, it is in retrospect, what allows them to find their path, their destiny. Like if, If you're not dealing with stuff like this, you don't really need to tap into that fighter spirit. Like if, yeah. you know, like our children were raised, you know, nice. And they, <laughs> well, I mean, to go back, we're, we're not going to, we, we could do a whole another show on this, but like Sean and I both didn't have the greatest upbringing. So our goal in life was to make sure that all four of our, our boys did. So that's kind of where we are. Yeah, now. we really tried to make sure that they stayed with friends and schools right. and didn't move around a lot yeah. and, you know, that kind of stuff. We wanted but, our kids to have what we didn't have, basically. Yes. Well, I do think that there is some logic to the idea that if you have not had your metal tested, if you mm-hmm. have not mm-hmm. been through that fire, it can it can be kind of hard to... You know, like, like I think Nick, I'll, I'll just be quite honest. Like you're amazing. Like I like talking to you and what you've been through already and your mindset. Like I've had some success in my life, but at 22, you're way ahead of where I was Mm -hmm. at that stage. And, um, you know, I just want to compliment you on that because like, I really feel like given your circumstances, you know, one of two roads could have been taken. Yeah. One was the, you know, I'm just going to resign myself to this victim mentality. Yeah, these are the cards and, I was dealt. So. You know, and, and next thing you know, you're um, in a situation where the life path that you've chosen is mm-hmm. probably not going to be the, the best one, you know. And then on the other side of it, you can choose to rise. And I really feel like you, having been through what you went through, chose to rise. And that mm-hmm. is is awesome. Well, Kudos. it's so incredible because at such a young age, he knew, you know, he made that decision. Yeah. To rise. And so, so let's talk a little bit about how you feed your mind now, because I think that'd be important. So from a guy that went through, didn't have both parents, went into the foster care system at 14, didn't have a great experience in the foster care system, resigned to kind of do it yourself at 16, started watching TED Talks when everyone else was playing video games, et cetera. So like, like how do you feed your positivity and your positive outlook moving forward? For sure. And so uh, it's not easy. Uh, I wouldn't say it's easy. It's definitely been uh, perfected over the years and got a lot better. Um, but I think I, I want to retract real quick, and I think this will help understand the question. Uh, well, my answer, anyways. Uh, I don't, are you guys familiar with the concept of a Ronin? So the Ronin is uh, Ronin. pretty much a drifter. So it's a uh, uh, yeah. So it's during the the feudal uh, period in Japan. Uh, but yeah, no, I look at it as um, one of my favorite movies is The Last Joker. Samurai. So you know, I'll just I'll just okay, okay. You're familiar, okay? Yeah. Ninjas, <laughs> yeah, Ronins, um, samurais. Ninja. I, I oh, like yeah. I like them all. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, the difference between a samurai and a Ronin um, is you know a Ronin is a masterless samurai. Um, and it's something that he, it's an actual choice that he made to no longer fight for others, but to fight for, you know, to fight for others mm-hmm. instead of, you know, more of a community based. And so I think that's one thing that's always driven me. Uh, at first, when I was 16, it was hate and anger. I hated everyone. I was angry at my parents and I wanted to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. And that drove me through sports. That drove me, you know, to be the hardest worker, no matter what room I was in. Uh, but then once I, you know, was no longer in that war time, I struggled with changing my mindset. I really did. Uh, because I, I constantly wanted to fight. I literally would self-sabotage. And so then I had adversity in my life to overcome. And because it was like a reset point, like I feel like I was just too comfortable. I had to create some kind of hectic uh, environment to be able to get better. And so what I've been doing, and uh, to answer your question, uh, these last three years through college, I've traveled somewhere different. I started out in D.C., and then I went to California. And then this last summer, I went to Vegas. And so what was the beauty of this is that it would put me in an environment I was unfamiliar with. Uh, it gave me the opportunity to travel, meet new people, try new things. Um, but it was literally a reset point. 
it literally, you know, no matter what was going on and how good it was back in Alabama, it didn't matter. You know, when I went out to Vegas this summer, I had 10 bucks in my pocket, 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I forget what happened. Something happened and I was just not in a good financial position to go anywhere. Um, let alone to travel all across the country to go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did. And I lived on my buddy's couch, <clears throat> one of my fraternity brothers. And I lived on his couch for three months and I worked my ass off. Um, but what I do to kind of fuel that and continue to grow is constantly self-reflecting. Um, this literally this mirror I have in front of me every day. Hey man, how can I become better? You know, how's things going with you? Uh, because I think it's important and often we get, <clears throat> excuse me, we get caught in these ruts um, of complacency. And I've, I'm definitely a victim of it. It's something I do from time to time is, you know, I put myself in uncomfortable situations to see how I react. Uh, because I think it's super easy, especially when um, you come from nothing. And once you have something, you, you, you can be like, okay, this is good. And I think there's definitely something I've struggled with, too, is that uh, I sometimes wouldn't give credit where credit is due. Um, but I constantly surround myself with good people, coaches, mentors. I still read. Uh, last year, I read 18 books. Uh, this year so far, I'm about five in. And uh, that's something I just started picking up. But I've always been a big fan of TED Talks. I watch Impact Theory. On all my social media feeds, I surround myself with positivity, things that challenge me, whether that's Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, or others. <laughs> and so it's really just constantly surrounding myself with this constant positivity loop um, to encourage me to be different and try new things. I think that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, I, lo- I love hearing that. And um, y- you're echoing some of what my own internal mantra is i think to the frustration of my wife occasionally but uh so i've ever since i was about 18 years old um i think i read an article on tiger woods and they were talking about his uh you know his mom early on and like her commitment to, to keep having him practice etc and so the, there was this this term that was thrown out and it was called kaizen and i don't know if you've heard it or not but it, it's represented by two japanese kanji symbols Okay, and, and it is a Japanese word, and the meaning of the word is continuous, ongoing improvement in all aspects of your life. For me, I want to be the best father I can be, and I want to continue to be better. I want to grow in that area. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best business owner. I want to be the best employer or or whatever, and, and I think it sometimes frustrates those that love me because I'm never satisfied you know, it's, it's hard to feel like you've arrived if your whole mantra is you can always be better, Right. you know? And so for, sure. for me, um, relaxing is more difficult. Being idle is much more difficult. You know, this, this podcast is a representation of that. You know, we flip houses normally. That's what we do for a living. I used to be a financial advisor for 22 years and I sold my practice in uh, 2018 and then uh, did not have any idea what to do. So we decided to flip some houses because we felt like we could do that. And so that led to a, a family business. But the reality is, is this whole pandemic has kind of shut everything down. And so, you know, I think I did a Netflix and chill for about a week, maybe. And then I'm like, uh, let's fire out the podcast because I used to do a radio show in uh, Sacramento for nine years. And um, that's how I, I got my new clients from my financial services practice. But you know, for me, yeah, being awesome. being idle is challenging. So, you know, I'm always I'm always interested to know how you're how you're feeding that fire to get better. Right. And it sounds like you do so with guarding your social media feed, you know, eliminating anything that's not positive, mm-hmm. only looking at stuff that's negative, pouring into your knowledge base, continuing to learn. You know, I think readers are leaders. So the fact that you are reading, I think is is absolutely awesome. And then I, I just think that single-minded determination, you know, any success that I've had, I think is is from two perspectives. You know, uh, God's grace, you know, I'm, I'm faithful and, and I, I, I believe in God. And, and I think that I, I've been very fortunate to have some, some grace and some favor in my life. But number two, I've had this never give up persistent attitude, you know, and I think that that uh, is something I hear in your voice as well. And kudos to you at 22 for having the fire that you do. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's definitely a genetic shot. It's, uh, it's constant. And, and I think that's one thing, um, Trust me, what you, when you were saying that, I'm like, I totally relate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to get better at uh, being present. It's one thing. I'm a very uh, close mentor of mine. He's like a father figure. Uh, we uh, we talked the other day before I spoke and reached out to my mom. Um, but yeah, I think it's super important. I think that, you know, often young people tend to live in the future, and I did for so long. 
Uh, and I think that often people that are a little older live in the past and they, you know, it's, it's important to be present. And that's something that I've been, you know, I've really been focused on the last year and a half is how can I be present? Um, one thing that I've struggled with for many years and I think um, I've gotten a lot better at is relationships, you know, for so long. And I think this allowed me to come to peace in terms of my father, but also eventually being, having the strength and, you know, emotional intelligence and, you know, durability to reach out to my mother was understanding that everyone's at their own pace. Um, and that it's, it's, it's literally life. I look at my life and it just it blows my mind. And people, people often come to me like yourself when I share my story, cause I'm very open. I don't, you know, I think it's a, my story shares power. I think everyone's story has power. Right. And they're like, wow, I couldn't have done that. Or wow, that's so amazing. Like, and I'm, to me, I'm just getting started. <laughs> I literally look at it. I'm about to graduate. From, I'm about to graduate from summer camp called college. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to enter the real world. And it's not that I haven't been in the real world for a while, but I think that, um, people like yourself and your wife, uh, I think that you guys, what you guys are doing is amazing with the podcast and the fact that, um, I, I think people that get idle, um, I don't know. There's a difference between living and existing. And I think, I don't know. I I think way too often I see young people nowadays just existing. Yeah. And it's, it's sad, but it's also, it it comes from a sense of empathy where I'm just like, wow, I feel bad. Cause I'm like, and the reason why I do all these crazy adventures and these crazy things. And, you know, sometimes I'm I'm just like, this is probably not financially feasible, but I'm going to do it anyway. Is because I know that one day, you know, my maker's going to come and I may not be here. And I just want to, you know, do as much as I can in the time of living uh, for others and also for myself, because I think, you know, I mentioned before, it's, you know, I grew up in a trailer eating pork and beans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've lived and I've been in the penthouse of the Bellagio uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. You know, I've, you know, drove around in a, a Bentley in California. You know, it's, it's just crazy to think, you know, that just the environment in which you put yourself is inevitably where you end up. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, great, great acknowledgement. Right? I think you need to write a book. Yeah, I think I, th- I think he will. <laughs> I, pre- I, I predict he will. I'm sitting here. I'm like very fascinated by this. I'm like, I'm learning something from a 22 year old. Yes. I mean, we we actually do have a 22 year old. So it's just really like. And in case he's listening, we've learned things from him, too. Yeah. But like, it's just really cool. To, you know, talk to somebody else who's 22 as well. I know. And they're completely opposite. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. So tell us a little bit about Dream Chasers because, you know, this is fascinating too. So you've got, you've, you've, you've brought yourself up. You've effectively, with a little guidance from some great, awesome people, raised yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and then not only, you, not only did you, you bring yourself up, but you've now doubled down and now you're trying to help others. So tell us a little bit about Dream Chasers and your mission there. Yeah, for sure. So about two years ago when I was in Birmingham, uh, and I, as I mentioned, I was you know, homeless for a stint uh, of time, I literally was sitting outside the library just trying to figure out life, what was next. And uh, I asked myself, you know, I'm like, how did I get here? I'm like, how did I get here? Like, this is this seems so impossible. It seems so surreal. And so, you know, I, it was a simple answer, you know, people. Um, whether it was my seventh grade social studies teacher, who spent the time after school to, you know, talk about the Bible. And really, I was a dark point in my life, but he got me out of it. Or it was my kindergarten teacher or my uh, my kindergarten gym teacher, you know, that still like my photos and tell me how proud they are on Facebook. Or whether it was my uh, two mentors back in the group home from Nigeria that literally pushed me every single day to be a better person. Or even if it was my father showing me things that worked and showing me things that didn't work. And I think that there was many people along the way, friends and relationships that helped cultivate that experience within me. So I, I thought to myself, I'm like, that's how people. And so I'm like, how can I bring all these people together and share them with everyone else, specifically people that need it just like I did, if not worse or more. Um, and so it took about two years. I realized that I had to be my own dream chaser uh, before I could um, share the idea or pitch it to anyone else, because it was really about, you know, how can I be the best version of myself? And I think, at the end of the day, it's not just a company to me. It's a lifestyle. Uh, it's a mindset, and it's something we're trying to do. And so the eventually, uh, eventually, inevitably, the goal is to um, work in schools, middle schools, high schools, and then colleges, focusing on the target age range from 16 to 26. Uh, I believe that earlier we can get, the better. Um, but I think it starts with mindset. One thing I talked about is, you know, one thing your son experiences, and I think a lot of kids experience this, specifically kids that go to college and have, you know, everyone has their story. Regardless of your upbringing, everyone had some form of adversity 
Some may be a lot harder than others, but I think it's about figuring out your story and then figuring out what to do with it. And so the way we do what we do with Dream Chasers, we're actually focusing on, you know, creating a coaching program right now as we focus on the first piece is the history of Dream Chasers, how it started, the purpose, the vision, the mission, yada, yada. The next piece is self-awareness. I think it's super important at any age to figure out why the hell you're here, what gets you up in the morning, what gets you motivated, what gets you going. The next piece is leadership. I think no matter what you're doing in your life, uh, from the janitor at your school or the CEO of the company or the, the activists in your community, I think leadership is super important. Uh, so we focus on that and then we focus on engagement. You know, And throughout this piece, you know, not only are we teaching, not only are we coaching, not only are we connecting with mentors in the community, uh, you know, watching videos, books. It's really about changing your mindset and reprogramming you to think differently instead of having a scarcity mindset of like, oh, the world's messed up and more of um, changing your way you think about life. And so then it also changes the way you react to life. And so our goal is um, to work in schools, to train young leaders in communities across the country and to change the world one generation at a time. And I think it starts with my generation. And I think it starts with the generations after me uh, because at the end of the day, I've, I've seen it through the system and, I, and it's, it's sad to say, but it's a lot harder when you're 40 or 50 to change your life, mm-hmm. specifically the way you think. And so I think the earlier we can get these kids and really um, give, empower them to be successful and to engage and give back, I think that um, the more impact we can have. So that's one thing we're doing. Uh, and inevitably, the goal is to change a generation of thinkers. That's awesome. I mean, I like if you let yourself just really dream big. Like I, I try to do this as much and as often as I can. Let your let yourself really dream big. It's amazing what you can accomplish. And I and I'm here to tell you right now, with your kind of an attitude, with your kind of resolve, with your kind of upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing that you can't accomplish. So if you want to change the world, I firmly believe you will change the world. So, you know, I think, I think it's awesome. So you guys connect mentors and mentorees. So you're trying to connect people that can pour into others and, and have them mentor people that are maybe between the ages of 16 and 26. Yeah. So we focus on the three pieces, um, when it comes to our membership and our people we affect, we focus on education. Uh, we focus on leadership and we focus on that community engagement piece. And it all circles around uh, education as well as mentoring. And so, like I said, I wouldn't be here today without people. And so what we do is we have uh, currently six to eight members, six active members, eight members in total across the country. Uh, we have we have a buddy out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We got ones out in Las Vegas, Southern California, Pittsburgh, all over the country. And so what we do is we actively bring ourselves together, share our knowledge, our wisdom, and then connect them with the people they need to be successful. Uh, whether it's mentors that I've met in my life, uh, people that we meet uh, through my adventures and stuff, or you know, our other members introduce people as well. So it's really a, a coaching platform of shared community um, of young people trying to make a difference. I love that. It's it's. I'm going back to when you we first started speaking, and you had said that I hate people, you know, <laughs> and now you're bringing it all the way around, saying you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the people. So I just think that's yeah. just such a great way to look at it. You know, you've changed so much in your thought process and the mentors you have now. It's just incredible to hear. I appreciate that. Like I said, it's, um, it's been a crazy journey, but I look yeah. back and it makes me chuckle. So uh, yeah. never in a million years that I think I'll be where I am, but I'm grateful to be here. I, I would recommend that, um, that you, if you're not doing this now, you should be journaling. Like I, I would go back and write through some of the things that you have um, accomplished in your life, the things that you've overcome, the situations that you've been in, because uh, I have a strong suspicion at some point in your life, you will write a book. And I think it's, I think it's going to be a very uplifting story. I think it's going to be a transformative story. I think it will be a story of hope and resilience. And uh, the more that you can, connect with some of those details of your life and have kind of an archive because you might you might not think it's something that you'll do now but 10 years 15 years from now you could 
and some of those memories, um, you know, may or may not be as vibrant. So I, I would just recommend, like, you, you, you got a lot of potential, and I'm excited to see what you, Thank you. do in your future because I think you've got the, the, the perfect mindset and a really, really phenomenal attitude. And I think those two things, you know, put together are going are gonna to take you a long ways. Well, thank you so much. I just want to say real quick, um, just for everyone who's listening, specifically the young people, um, I still have my days. I think like anyone else, I can sit here and uh, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, I've overcome a lot, but I think it's important to, you know, say as well that uh, it's not always sunshine or rainbows. I think that's super important. Something that originally gave me the concept for Dream Chasers as well is um, I think a lot of young people, specifically people today, struggle with uh, this persona of who they think they should be instead of realizing who they are. And I think a lot of that is influenced by the community, family, uh, social media does a very bad job at it with filters and stuff like that. <laughs> and so as though I, you know, I have overcame a lot, um, I think that the journey is just beginning. And I think it's super important to say that, um, and my advice for your son or for, for anyone young is listening is find mentors. Uh, because I'm telling you, like, there's, there's not a month that goes by that I'm not calling one of my mentors and like, hey, I need help. Um, and I, I think it's super important. It's something that is, it's very humbling, but also I think yeah. it's super important uh, to be vulnerable because at the end of the day, we're all human. And I was actually had a, a an email. I sent a, so I added a, a principal back from high school on Facebook. And uh, this was kind of prolific of what he said. Uh, but anyway, so he's like, wow, Nick, I'm glad you're doing well. I never thought you'd end up in Alabama, you know, this, that, this, that. And I'm like, yeah, like, and I, and I say often, it's like, it wasn't easy and it still has moments. And he's like, Nick, if you think it, it wants to become an adult, it gets easier. It doesn't. <laughs> um, and I think, I think that's something that a lot of kids think about is that, you know, I think when they become adults, that it's going to become different, but it's, if you don't work on your stuff now, you're just going to be a 50 year old with the same problems. It's not worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's called life, yeah. you know, like life is about adversity yeah. <laughs> and challenge and, you know, there's no such thing as coasting, you know, there's no, no. such thing as, you know, like there's always going to be a season, you know, it's like right now with, with regard to the, uh, you know, we call it Corona crazy, but the pandemic and everything else, you know, like people, people need to understand that this is just a season. Mm-hmm. So here's a great question for you. How are you weathering? this current environment? How are you staying positive right now in the midst of a pandemic? Yeah. So it's a great question, Sean, because uh, I'm, so, I'm still trying to figure out that answer. Um, <laughs> As I, I think we all it, are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's surreal. It's, so I was actually on spring break and then it was Thursday. Uh, I didn't have my phone all week. And so it was Thursday. I get a, an email. Uh, well, I, my, some one of my buddies I was with had his phone. He got an email. And so I checked my emails and I was told that by Monday I had to be moved out of my on-campus housing and school was effectively closed. Wow. And uh, prior to spring break, I had plans to go to Las Vegas. Uh, actually, I originally had plans to go to Columbia this summer down in uh, South America. And I had everything set up for that. Uh, things were falling through. The university was dragging their feet. So I was just going to go to Vegas and because inevitably when I graduated, that's what I was thinking of moving to. Um, and so I was working on plans. I was going to work for MGM as well as working for a congressional office, working on my passion as well as making some money. And... Um, I had everything set up and then bam, uh, within, whew, I would say four days, uh, of being gone, my life just got tossed upside down. And, and I think it's, it's an testament, um, to my experiences in life. I'm very grateful to have that adversity because I'm very resilient. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I've been here, uh, I moved up to my buddy's place up in Trustville, staying with his family. They're like my family. And, um, it's kind of sucky too. Right before this, I was starting a new relationship. And um, so it's been hard that I'm, you know, she's down in Mobile, Alabama, up here in Trustville, and so four hours away from each other, and starting a new relationship on FaceTime. And so that's hard. Um, but then I don't know. I just I look at it as, you know, at, at the beginning, I'm, I've always been one. I think you can agree with this uh, because it, it seems like you have similar qualities. Is that, you know, whenever you have nothing to do, you have to find something to do. Yes. And so what I would often do is when I get stressed out, I would put more stress on myself. Well, I really just fill the gaps. And so I would just stay busy. And so when I first moved up here, I was super busy. Like I was trying to run for a student government treasurer, like just doing crazy stuff. It made no sense. Um, <laughs> just keeping my mind it. occupied. <laughs> and, um, but then, uh, someone told me, I think it was, uh, the girl I'm talking to. She's like, man, you just, you just take a breath. Cause like, I just get myself stressed out. But anyway, so it was at that point I just took a step back. And I think it's super important during this time for everyone to reflect on their lives and the things they're doing with their lives, but also really just think like, why am I here? You know, what's the point of all this? Is it to work 80 hours a week at a job I hate? Um, or is it to, you know, do something I love? And so I've been really focusing on me 
uh, these past few weeks and what makes me happy. Uh, I'm in a very blessed to be in an environment where there's beautiful trees around me and good people. Uh, so this really just taken every day for what it is, knowing that one day it's, you know, it's all going to be better. That may be different. I definitely agree it's going to be different. Uh, but I think that's just a part of life. I think you, you guys, you know, hit the hammer on the nail. Um, that it's life. And whether it's the game you played as a kid or the one you're living now, um, there's going to be challenges. Things change. And it's just a matter of how we react to the situation at hand that will inevitably determine our fate. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well said. You know, and I think as we finish up, I'll, I'll ask you a question that I think would be a really good, inspiring question from a 22-year-old that has been through what you've been through. What would you say to somebody right now that's feeling anxious, worried, concerned, you know, about um, maybe they're concerned about their finances, their money, their situation? I, I mean, you, you inspire me to a large degree, just based on what you've said, like it, it lights this fire in, in, in myself. But what would you say to somebody that maybe has not been through what you've been through? How would you now being the coach now being the mentor, what would you say to somebody that's feeling anxious right now, given the uh, current state of the pandemic? Yeah, I would, um, without being cynical, I would say that if you're in America right now, listening to this, that you're beyond blessed, mm-hmm. um, beyond blessed. I think so often, and I've only been able to travel out of the country once, but uh, many of my mentors have traveled across the world and to hear some of the stories. And um, yeah, man, we're blessed. We're blessed to be in America, to have the resources we have, the roof over your head, uh, the food in your belly. Um, I know a lot of people are without a job. I'm without a job right now. I'm very blessed to have people in my life that, you know, are able to support me in such a, a circumstance. I know many people aren't that blessed. And so I understand that. But I guess to answer your question is just know that everything's going to be okay. It really is. Um, this country and this world has been through a lot. And I just think that it's important for us to reflect upon ourselves, but also to fall back to the things that matter most, our family, our community. Um, and at the end of the day, without us, you know, someone said this to me once and it blew my mind. They're like, Nick, it's your world. I'm just living in it. And <laughs> at the end of the day, if you don't take care, if you, if, literally, if, at the end of the day, if you don't take care of yourself, what's the point of all this? And so I think it's important and just to keep your chin up, I think, you know, if you if you don't come out of this learning something different, uh, taking away something from this pandemic and this, this time to be alone and reflect, then you're doing yourself a disservice and a disjustice. So I would just encourage you to, whether it be pulling, up, pulling out a book uh, or reaching out to a friend, definitely I think in a time like this, it's important that we reach out and we connect specifically with the people that are struggling from, you know, mental, mental illnesses and, you know, depression. I have friends that, and I personally have struggled with depression growing up. So I think it's important just to be human. And so I think at the end of the day, keep your chin up. Know it's going to be all right. And um, just take action. This is the one time in your life. And I think for many of our lives, it's definitely the one time in my life where I've had three weeks to do absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm, not, I'm not expected to do anything. I'm actually expected to do absolutely nothing. Um, so I think this gives us a lot of time to just take a step back and figure out what's important. You know, that uh, expected to do nothing, that's, it's difficult to do for people that, that are driven. It's difficult to do when you like, just want to create when you want to, when you want to move forward. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. For sure. Trust me. Yeah. For sure. Does it, does it's it make, valuable though? I think it's a valuable skill. I, I think it is. Well, you know, which makes me think of something else. We had a, a couple of guys that are friends of ours that are just doing some incredible things. They're, they're trying to change the world with the word. The word is ULA. So if you go to Ula Life, O-O-L-A-L-I-F-E.com, it's, uh, you know, these guys, basically, it's, it's about living in, in a state of awesomeness through a balanced life. You know, balancing your life in the areas of finance, fitness, fun, family, field, and faith. And did I miss one? Probably. Friends. Friends. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, th- I think you, like with what you got going on, like you'd be an awesome, awesome ULA coach. Like yeah. wouldn't he not yeah. be an, a, a good ULA coach? But I think for somebody that's driven like yourself, um, just like myself, one of the biggest things that, that can be a challenge is finding balance. Because if it was not for my beautiful wife, I'd be a workaholic. I'd probably have a lot more money than I have right now, but I'd have a lot less life. <laughs> you know, I'd have a lot sure. less life. And um, I think it's important that that people maintain that balanced perspective. So you're right. You know, staying at home, you don't have any expectations. Use this time wisely. Feed your mind and soul. Mm-hmm. Positivity, you know, be careful what you think. Words matter. 
you know, those types of things I think are the, are the biggest um, things that we should be focusing on right now during this time. But well said, Nick, well said, all of it, you know, it's been uh, absolutely awesome sharing time with you and hearing your story. And uh, I got to say, you're an exceptional young man, you know, and uh, I believe you have a very, very bright future ahead of you. So congratulations. And, and I do Thank think you. what you've been through is a catalyst uh, for you. I think that uh, throughout the rest of your life, you'll look back on it and, uh, and remember it as a, as a blessing in disguise. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. I yeah. Thank you, Sean. I, I, this is a, it's crazy how everything comes together. And uh, <laughs> the fact that uh, Sean Eiferman one, one day was like, hey, man, there's a podcast. Let's go do this. I'm like, hey, man, let's give it a shot. So <laughs> it's been an amazing experience for me as well. And um, I look forward to following your guys' journey. Let's stay in touch. And uh, guys, keep doing what you're doing. You guys are doing amazing things. All right. So, Jen, what are your thoughts on that interview with Nick? What an incredible young man. Like, I feel so blessed that we got to speak with him. I know. Me too. Yeah. I feel I feel more inspired, more hopeful. He's just an incredible young man. He, he, when you think about what he went through, mm-hmm. I mean, seven different high schools. Yeah. Foster care system at 14. Yeah. You know, single parent, mom that he talked to four or five times in his life. It's definitely, uh, he was dealt some awful cards and cards that anybody could could use as an excuse to be pissed or upset or do nothing or you know wallow in pity Mm -hmm. or whatever but yet he he didn't he he raised himself yeah he i like that he at the age of 14 16 was like i'm changing the cycle i just because i was dealt these cards this isn't how I'm going to play this game. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to break the chains. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. the, the the cycle of behavior. I'm going to I'm going to bust it right here. Right. It's going to be different because you can't really you know pick who your parents are and pick how they raise you. You can't do that. So, you know, when he was of age and you know had a had a choice in the matter, he uh, changed his life. Yeah. Awesome. That that guy, I'm telling you right now, he's going to go places. Oh, he's going to have a book. <laughs> I'm excited about his future. I'm excited about the book. I'm excited about my future after talking to him. <laughs> Me too. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that was awesome. Look forward to more. I've got some great interviews lined up coming up. Hopefully they're all as awesome as that was. Yeah. But uh, everyone's story is awesome. So yeah, I'm just I'm grateful that there are people willing to talk and share their story because I know that somebody listening is going to be impacted by it from your lips to God's ears Mm -hmm. to the ears of our listeners amen amen to that